Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Paul said, because of your character, I partly believe it. And everybody here knows some people that you know. And if you heard that they stole something, you'd be like, again? He probably probably did, did he? You know, because their character precedes them. And so that's how sad the Corinthian church is, that they're... It precedes them. Paul said, I, I partly believe it. You know, I, I mean, if it was Ephesus, I would give them benefit of the doubt. But y'all Corinthians, y'all probably are over there acting like this. Sadly, Paul wasn't surprised to hear the accounts of what was happening with the church in Corinth. He knew they had some destructive tendencies. As Pastor Bill will point out in today's message, most of us know someone like that. You hear the bad rumors and you have little reason to doubt they're true. But just like Paul, as loving brothers and sisters in Christ, we shouldn't give up on each other. Paul didn't write them off as too far gone. He penned this letter in hopes of guiding them back to truth. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11 with today's edition of A Transforming Word. We're making our way through 1 Corinthians. Last week, was uh, Paul was really dealing with order in the home, order in the church, um, and he laid out uh, what was difficult for some people. I know I had a lot of questions at the service, so I did my best to answer some questions, give out the verses, but he laid out the order that uh, who is man under? Man is under God. So the head of every man is Christ. The head of every woman is the man. And then he said the head of Christ is God. God the Father is the head of Christ. Um, So Christ is submitted to the will of the Father. As a wife is submitted to her husband and as a man, any man that's really walking as a man is submitted to Christ. And so we looked at that order and that arrangement, how things are supposed to be. Today he's addressing a whole nother set. That's why I, I split the chapter where I did He's dealing with another set of issues that the Corinthians have. Most of what we're going to look at today is going to be concerning or considering uh, around the the communion table. And uh, they were having some issues with communion. Um, And so if you could imagine, I mean, and I'll explain why as we get into it. But we're going to look at some of the issues that they were having with division in the church and with uh, how they were coming to communion. They were at communion. uh, People were overeating and getting drunk at communion. That's why we give you guys a little bitty cracker and a little bitty juice with no alcohol in it because of Corinth, you know. So, um, but we're going to pick up at verse 17. So 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, verse 17. And Paul says this, says, now in giving these instructions, I do not praise you since you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and in part, I believe it. So first, you know, Paul is addressing, he said, look, you know, I am, and and we'll see the phrase five times, when you come together. It's a good thing for the church to come together. It's supposed to be a good thing. Um, In most cases, you think when the church of God comes together, it's going to be for the good. You know, we're going to edify each other. It's going to be a building up time. But Paul is saying, man, the Corinthians, when y'all come together, it's not for the good. People, people come to y'all church and leave mad. People come and leave tore down and not built up. You know, the, the way that they were conducting themselves when they came together. And so he's correcting them as we go through this section. So he says, you guys come together again, not for the better, but for the worse. In verse 18, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And in part, I believe it. And this is a sad thing. 
normally for the church, uh, we would give the benefit of the doubt. You know, if if somebody came and said something to me negative about Clint, um, Clint has the benefit of the doubt with me. You know, Clint's part of the church. He's part of our fellowship. I know him as a brother. I'm not just receiving on the fly some negative account. I just, I won't, you know, I, I, I know him better than that. I, I need to talk to him first, you know, and that's, that's walking in love. Paul said, because of your character, I partly believe it. And everybody here knows some people that you know. And if you heard that they stole something, you'd be like, again, he, he, probably, he probably did, did he? you know, because their character precedes them. And so that's how sad the Corinthian church is that they're it precedes them. Paul said, I, I partly believe it. You know, I, I mean, if it was Ephesus, I would give them benefit of the doubt. But y'all Corinthians, y'all probably are over there acting like this. So we know we're dealing with a church that's really in, in a bad place. And if there's a, 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 a I guess, a, a grace that I can give you in this, even though they have all the issues that this whole letter has been a correction. But I'm looking at him and thinking, you know, God wouldn't spend the time correcting them if he didn't love them. He wouldn't spend the time that he spends. It's going to be two books, first and second Corinthians. And they're longer letters. They're not like the five chapter Corinthian letter. We got long letters. He wouldn't spend the time correcting them if he didn't love them. And so some of us, you know, God, some of y'all, God been working on a long time and he wouldn't bother if he didn't love you. And so um, that's what I take from this. He, he's Paul's out. I got another issue to deal with, dealt with order. We dealt with y'all doing, doing each other wrong, taking each other to court. Now, now we're going to deal with, y'all can't even take communion right. That's, that's, man, I think about that. To not even be able to have, com- communion can't even be a good thing. Um, so, but they're going to get it together. Paul's helping them. So now we got verse 19. He says, for there must also be factions among you that those who are approved may be recognized among you. Um, and, and just the, the, the divisions or the factions among them, it, it causes those that are doing right to kind of stand out. And, um, if you take people that are doing right and put them in the mix of people that are living wrong, um, it, it's a big, you know, it's a big distinction. You know, it's, it's easier to see those that are doing right and you stick them around a bunch of people that are not doing right. And that's why as the church, uh, when we go into dark environments, it should just be easy to be a light. Uh, we live in a dark world right now. Um, we got to be cautious about blending in, trying to blend in so much that you're not even you don't even make a difference. Some Christians want so badly to blend in, to be liked, to be accepted, to be received, that they'll go into a place where everybody is desperately in need of Jesus and the gospel and salvation, and they'll adapt to the environment in such a way that no one gets helped. No one no one even knows to look to you for help. You know, So we got to be careful about that. I'm not saying we want to be the weird, obstinate, you know, everybody knows some annoying Christian. That just, you know, just they just do it all wrong. And, you know, you know, we, I'm not saying we want to be that, but we should make a difference. Amen. Um, and it's easiest to be a light when it's dark. So um, moving on in verse uh, 20. Now, he says, therefore, when you come together in one place, it, it is not to eat the Lord's supper for in eating. Each one takes his own supper ahead of others. And one is hungry and another is drunk. So let me explain something that was going on. And um, if, you, if you're a note taker, um, I'll give you the, 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 the breakdown right now. In verse, verses 17 to 22, we'll look at how not to celebrate communion. We get a big, long how not to. In verses 23 to 25, we'll look at why we celebrate communion. In verses 24 and 25, we'll look at what does it mean for us. In verse 26, 
What does it preach? When we take communion, it preaches a message. We'll look at what does it preach. And in verse 27 to 34, how to prepare and partake. And that's, uh, and I'll, I'll go over those as we go. So we're in point one. We're in 17 to 22, how not to celebrate communion. And so he says, now this is what was going on. They would have something called a love feast. And what they would do, the love feast was a, it'd be like a potluck. You know, we had one not too long ago. Um, different people brought different foods and they brought them and we heated them up and we sat it out here. And it was a big long line. Everybody got in line and got some food and got some drinks. And we sat down and ate and had fellowship together. Um, what they would do is take the love feast. They would have that gathering and they would, at the same time they would gather for that, they would also celebrate the Passover Miller communion together. But what was happening was in Corinthian secular society, uh, it was broken down by um, social status. So if you were if you were in a lower bracket social status and you came to a gathering, you didn't go right away. Um, you, you're, you're, you're not first. You're, you're last. Uh, it went according to social status. Now, that shouldn't transfer over into the church. Correct. But for the Corinthians, it did. And so they would come together and you're poor. You did. You came hungry and you didn't have anything to bring. And then Joe Rich brought, you know, some some steak and, you know, lamb chop and, you know, some good wine and everything else. And and they get to go and they're going back for seconds. You haven't even got none yet. Paul said, man, you guys come together and somebody is hungry and haven't eaten it and, and haven't drank. And you over here fat and drunk. Somebody's, oh, you've, you've eaten twice and you're getting drunk. They're getting drunk at the meal before communion. Can you imagine that? Um, and that's why we'll talk about how to prepare and partake. Um, that they would just come in. You know, Paul says, when you guys come together in one place, it's not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, one takes his own supper ahead of another and one is hungry and another is drunk. Kind of get the imagery of, of people stepping in front of each other in line, not, not showing respect, um, you know, but it says, um, man, somebody just step in front of other people and I'm going to get mine. And that mentality had leaked into the church at the time when they were coming together to celebrate communion. And so Paul is going to tell them, man, this, this is wrong. He said a little while ago, I, this, I do not praise you. Uh, earlier, he had given them an accolade last week, you know, that they were keeping certain traditions. Here he says, I, I don't praise you guys in this. This is sad. Uh, what a poor testimony. Uh, what a poor example. What a poor witness as they behave like this. Verse 22, he says, what? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? He says, I do not praise you. So this is how not to celebrate communion. Not in a selfish way, not in drunkenness, not in, you know, when we come together for communion, it's a memorial. We're remembering Christ. And it can take on one of two tones. Um, Communion can take on kind of a somber, sad tone as we focus on the process that Christ died, you know, his broken body and his shed blood. Um, that's a part of communion. We're remembering him and what he did. Um, but it, it also could end up being a celebration as we look at the purpose of it. You know, if I, so if I look at the process, it is kind of a bummer to look at his broken body and shed blood and realize I did that. That was for me. That's because I live wrong. That's because I sinned. But when I look at what it brought about, you know, if I look at what came about as a result, if I look at the purpose of his death, that I'd go free, that, that one day I could be presented faultless before the Lord, um, that I'm without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish because his blood was shed for me and it cleanses me. And even though I'm imperfect, I get to be presented before God perfect. Or I look at the process, what it does for me and us. Now it's something to celebrate. 
for human memorial services, um, it's, it's you got two things. You're either some people can call it a celebration of life and we're remembering the great things and we're celebrating those things. But in the human sense, there is a loss. There's just a loss. We, we, there's someone as much as I want to celebrate their life. Your mom or dad passed away. I lost my mom or my dad. I'm bummed out. Um, I, even, though, even if I know they went to heaven, I'm going to miss them. Um, that's human. With Jesus, his death is unique. Because we can celebrate, we can look at the process of his death, but his death brings about life. His death brings about life for you and me. And then we celebrated a couple weeks ago. After he died, he got back up. So I don't have to stay sad about the death of Jesus. He breathed him up. They, they whipped him in his bag. They put a crown of oh. But he got back up, though. He rose third day. He's good. I mean, he's living right now. And, and so I, I could focus there, but I don't think that's a good place to focus. I don't think we skip over what he went through because I do need to look at what he went through for me, that I would be humble, that I would be thankful, uh, that I could appreciate what Christ has done for me. But I do need to move on beyond that. Amen. I need to get to where. But look at what he did. Look at what he accomplished. Um, and so communion should be for the church. It's a, a celebration of life when the, the Jews what they were doing, it was a, a real direct correlation. When they would celebrate Passover, they were looking at what God did in bringing them out of bondage in Egypt, but they were also looking forward to what he was going to do. And it's the same place communion leaves us because we're going to see in verse 26 that we're remembering what Christ did and we're looking forward to the fact that he's coming back. And we get left in the same place that they get left as we celebrate communion together. So again, verses 17 to 22, that was how that was how not to celebrate communion, not in a selfish way, not letting it be all about us, not letting there be division and schism. They had the body of Christ divided up. And so um, I, I believe we've been blessed here to not really have. Uh, I don't see it, you know, uh, not have divisions and schisms. We don't have little groups that hey, on. I, I don't know how you get that at church. You know how you got a group over here at church. I don't like them. At church, I wish you would. Let me find you. <laughs> you'll, be, you'll be not liking them from the sidewalk. You know, I don't understand how we get how, how could that how could that could, how that could become the norm in church circles where it's like you know we got to forgive each other, love each other, get along, you know, and keep it moving. But that was what was happening in Corinth. Um, social status divided them. Uh, I'm sure there was arrogance and pride and sin and carnality and other things that divided them where. Where they weren't loving each other. The, the rich weren't looking out for the poor. Say, hey, man, come on, get some of this. I got this at home. Um, and so someone's come hungry and they leave hungry from the love feast. How sad is that? That the body, I mean, this is at church. Somebody came hungry. It was food there and they left hungry. What kind of church is that? And then you came full, got fuller and drunk. You know, that's what, that's what they were doing. So, um, again, I, I, th that's why Paul is saying, man, I, I don't praise you. And this thing, I don't praise you. Uh, now look at verse uh, 23 and 23 to 25. We'll look at why. Why do we celebrate communion? Why do we do this? Verse 23, it says, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper Saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So first thing under why we do it, um, I would just simply say Jesus told us to. It was Jesus that instituted this. Paul is quoting Jesus at what we call the Last Supper as he sat down with the disciples at the table. And after the, the same night that Judas was had, had set him up, that Judas was going to be betraying him. On that same night, he sat down with them and he, 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 he instituted um, this meal, this thing that he would want them to do. And 
maybe some of you here, if, if you, you know, most people don't like to think about death. Um, but if you thought about it, you know, you might, you might say, you know what, if I, if, if I do die, when I die, don't do this at my funeral. I don't want to be remembered like this. I mean, my, both of my parents, my mother was a very beautiful woman. Um, she had been a model at one point in time in her life. It's a pretty, pretty lady. My mom told me explicitly, and so has my father, when I die, I do not want to be in a casket having people walk by, look at me dead with makeup on. I don't want it. So when my mom passed, I put together a memorial video. I took pictures that when she was looking good, you know, I, I took the pictures that she, if she could have presented herself, she would have presented. These are the pictures of her smiling, dressed appropriately, you know, looking how she would want to be seen. That, I, that was an honor of hers. She made it clear. My dad is vain too. My dad is 75. He's good looking for 75. My dad said, hey, I, I don't want it. Don't do it. Don't do it to me. He said, like, you know, he got, his older family and their family, that's the way to do You have to, you know, have a cast. He said, don't do it. This is what I want. And he's laid out what he wants. I was like, all right, I'll be, I'll make sure that's honored. If, if, and there may be things that you would think, you know, if I, if I die, I like to be remembered like this. I've heard people say at my funeral, do this. Don't do that. You know, everybody wear white instead of wear black, you know, do this, that, and the other. Jesus said, look, I'm going to die. I'm planning to die. I'm on my way to die. Matter of fact. So he sat down and had this meal with them. And he said, this is how I want to be remembered. And I always make a big deal about this every time we take communion. And I, I should point it out. He could have been remembered in any way he wanted to. He could have said, draw a picture of me, which is that's what everybody likes to do. And I, I tell you guys every week, every picture of Jesus that you've ever seen is false. And it creates controversy and, and, and division in the body. We don't have a picture of Jesus. The picture that everybody sees and it looks like, you know, that's Jesus. It's not Jesus. It's actually that main picture. Y'all know what I know people, you know, where it came from, but it's it's quite possibly Michelangelo's boyfriend. He said, stand here, boyfriend. Let me paint you and then put that. And then, and then you got that up in your living room praying. <laughs> Take that mess down. That, that's that's what happened. So knowing that there's no accurate picture of Jesus, we don't have a real description of Jesus. I don't do it. I won't do a picture. Um, I don't like him. I, I, I don't like him. I don't like him. I don't like him. So he said, remember me like this. Took some bread and he blessed it. He had told him earlier, I'm the bread of life. I'm sustaining you. Take this bread, break it. This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take down them pictures. That's how y'all remember each other. That's how you remember prom and your wedding and special events. Remember me with broken bread. I want you to remember, and it, this is important, this is key. He wants to be remembered because we are forgetful people. We are forget, we'll forget in a heartbeat. You know, you'll be out here complaining, I don't know, God don't love me, I didn't get that job I wanted. You need to go have communion and remember that his body was broken. Do we love you now? Sometimes we get, we get far away from what he's done for us, and we start looking at what somebody did to you, and, and somehow some people... Somebody will do something wrong to you and you'll be like, I don't know why God let that happen to me if he loved me. And come back to communion. Broken body. My body broken for you. This is my demonstration of love for you. Broken body. And I'll say this about communion uh, because I mean, other parts of the church have distorted it. Communion doesn't have to be presented by a priest. Just so you know. We don't put some wookie wookie on the bread and the juice, you know, before you get it to make it, you know, uh, you know, special anointing over it. You know, it's you could go to the, the, lo the local store, buy some, you know, some crispy crackers and some 
some grape juice, Welch's if you like it, and sit down at your table by yourself with your Bible and have communion. Lord, I'm remembering right now your body was broken for me. Thank you. Lord, I'm remembering that your blood was shed for me and it cleanses me. Thank you. You can sit down with your family and take communion. It doesn't have to be a pastor to present communion. It doesn't have to be a leader or an elder. Any, you guys here, he says, do this as often as you do it. We'll see. And remember to me. I want you to remember me. So as often as you want to stop, pause, remember him, do that. Take, 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 take the opportunity to do that. Um, you don't need a special place. You don't have to wait till we do it at church. You don't have to have a special person. Um, as often as you think, I just want to sit down and bring myself into remembrance. I'm going to sit down with my wife today and just, we're going to commune. We're going to take communion. Uh, I'm going to sit down by myself and have communion. I just need to be reminded. I'm battling through some things. It's a healthy part of our devotional life that we would just pause and remember him. Broken body, shed blood. That's what he did for us. And and all the ways and all the places where God wants to show people he loves them, he always points back to the cross. He always points back to how he died. That's his, that's his demonstration that he loves us. <clears throat> so one, he says, I want you to do this um, in remembrance. But look at, look at verse 23 first. I'm sorry. It says, um, first I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. So Paul is saying, look, what I'm telling y'all, I got this from the Lord. Paul, unique from all the other disciples that they had been with Jesus while he was on earth. Jesus had come, died, resurrected, and ascended back into heaven. And then Paul was on the way to Damascus to persecute the church, and the Lord showed up. Um, so Paul interacted with the risen Christ post-resurrection and ascension. And Paul says, and this is, this is a verified, this is apostolic authority. Um, I won't even go into all the, the stuff today where people wanting to be an apostle and this, that, and the other. Um, Paul says, look, that which I'm giving to you, I received from the Lord. What which I received from the Lord, that I'm also giving to you. I got this direct connect. I didn't hear it from Peter. I didn't go sit in the synagogue and hear a message about this. I didn't read it on the scroll. I, the, the Lord gave this to me and I'm giving it to you. And it's the same thing that we can confirm it with what the other disciples were, were at. But he wants them to know this is, I'm not making this up. There's authority on what I'm telling you guys. That which I received from the Lord, I also delivered to you. And now he shares that on the same night, in which the Lord or Jesus was to be betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And I would point this out, um, you know, as, as much as I know it was uh, in Jesus' humanity, he understood what was coming with the cross. You know, he prayed in Gethsemane, he sweat great drops of blood, he asked the Lord, God, if there's any other way, let this cup pass. So there was anguish and tension going on in his humanity um, but it was on that night, though, on the night where he knew it was getting ready to go down. And I'm always amazed at this part of who Jesus is. His thoughts are still with them and with us. Right. I'm getting ready to go through the, the most difficult thing I've ever experienced in eternity. But my thoughts are with you guys. I want to make sure you guys remember me the right way. I want to make sure that this isn't forgotten quickly. And so he said, I want you, you got to I want you to, I want you to be reminded regularly about what I did. And so he took the bread, he blessed the bread and he, he broke it. And then he said, again, in verse 24, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Um, when Jesus said this, it was prophetic because his body had not yet been broken, but it would be. And he says, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. I want you to remember me like this. So I refuse to remember Jesus in some other kind of way. I will not remember him through pictures that don't, rec that don't you know, rightly ascribe who he is. I will remember him in the way he put forth. He says, I'm going to die for you. And I want you to remember it like this. He said, this is my body, which is broken. And I want you to, if you, if you note key words, 
the phrase for you. So my body is broken for you, broken for you. Right. I'm doing this for you. It's not for me. I'm, I was already in heaven. I left heaven, came to earth, went through all this, and I'm going to have my body broken for you. That's the, that's the most important part of communion. That's why it's so personal. Uh, we may do it as a congregation, as a group, but God says, my body's broken for you, man. Love you. You. First Corinthians touches on how the city of Corinth was rampant with idolatry and immorality. Not too different from cities of today. Does this mean that you run away and isolate yourself from the sinful world? No, but Paul's letter did communicate that as a Christian, it's important to live a life that's upright and pure before God, even in the midst of a dark and sinful world. When the pressure is great, your opportunity to contrast the dark with light can be even greater. How does one do this with all the influences pressing in? Keep looking to the Word of God for direction in all things. If you're seeking some assistance with where to read, we have a helpful Bible reading plan on our website. This can be a useful guide to help you explore the Word on a daily basis. Look on our website, CalvaryInglewood.org. Thank you for tuning in today to A Transforming Word. Next time, Pastor Bill will continue teaching through 1 Corinthians. Before we go, we'd like to ask you to prayerfully consider supporting this ministry financially. Any amount is appreciated. These teachings are broadcast on the radio and help spread the good news of the gospel. That's a powerful thing. If you'd like to find out more about how to support A Transforming Word, go to CalvaryInglewood.org or donate through our app. We're so thankful for your support and more than anything, we hope this ministry has been and continues to be a blessing to you. We look forward to joining Pastor Bill again next time right here on A Transforming Word. Transforming Word